0: You're listening to Deep Dives with Sharks, a shark podcast focused on shark species, shark safety both for you and the sharks, and news in the past couple of weeks. Sit back, relax, it's time to take a dive. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Deep Dives with Sharks. I am once again your host. My name is Alex and this week we're going to be a little bit different. So first of all, we actually have two episodes this week. Uh, this is the second one, so I did actually keep up on the promise of making that second episode, which kind of surprising, as I do usually forget to do things. But also, we're going to be starting out this week with a question. Now, this is the first question we've gotten so far on the podcast, so I was very excited to answer this one. And this one came in from Michaela, who is a real homie. Uh, she actually is very supportive of myself and her boyfriend's addiction to hockey, so I do very much appreciate that. But... She also asked which shark would be the best one to ride. Now, I feel like this is a phenomenal question. One thing to preface, though, that in reality, none of them. Simply because the whole point of the podcast has been that the more you mess with a shark and you don't leave it alone, the more likely you are to get bit. So I'm going to say in this reality, probably don't touch it, but... I'm also holding out that hope that in an alternate dimension, humans and sharks are absolute homies and they vibe out all the time. So, I'm feeling like if we can go to that dimension, because, you know, alternate dimension theory, the sky's the limit. It's a dimension for everything. So, I I can hold out for hope on that. But, in that dimension, I feel like sharks are going to have different ride patterns. Uh, Similarly, that's a really hard word for me to say to the way that horses do in reality here. Now, I did also have to make sure I got that correct, because I could have simply Googled it, but instead I reached out to another friend of mine whose name is Amy, or Amelia the Great. Uh, She was also on the equestrian team at our college that we went to, so I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to sound like an absolute idiot, at least on this segment of the podcast. Now, she mentioned that different horses do have different ride patterns to them. So, for example, a Shetland Pony, smaller breed there, is going to have shorter legs, more choppier steps, so a little bit more of a kind of bouncier kind of ride. But then we also have horses like the Clydesdale, that that's going to have a much more, like, larger gait to it, uh, also more of a powerful step, so it's going to have a more rocky kind of ride. So it depends on the same way that it would work with sharks, too, the larger the shark, more powerful the movement so like a whale shark it's going to have more of a swaying movement to it uh so you'll be kind of going rather slow but getting a nice kind of rocking pattern there but then sharks like the mako that are going to be the ones that are much quicker much more speedy in that you're going to get a lot more of a fast-paced kind of racy feel to it so it works that way but on this i also had to check with her because i'm low-key terrified of horses um i will go free diving with a shark Any day of the week, Uh, but I also need to get dive certified. Anyway, scuba certified. That's besides the point. But I got a little sidetracked there. (laughs) But if I'm about to be five feet within a horse, that is, no, I don't want to be. Like horses honestly terrify me. So I would rather not be near one. But with this, when you're gonna go for the shark that you have to pick out, you also have to have like different ride preferences. So it's gonna depend on what you're like there. Same way that when you go to a brewery, you don't just know you usually have a general idea of what type of beers or what type of drinks you're gonna like. But it's also good to have a more open mind there of trying to figure out which one you have to do. You can't just blindly go in and pick a beer. Same way you shouldn't just blindly blindly go in and just pick a shark to ride, you know? Gotta figure that out. So test drive your sharks, moral of the story as well. But on this, I feel like it's going to depend on a person-by-person basis. Now, there are a lot of factors at play here, so the type of ride is one of them. But I also say the cool factor, because you could get a really nice, smooth ride out of a 1980 Honda Civic. But sometimes you just don't want to be seen in a 1980 Honda Civic. Now, this is no shot at Honda Civics. They, they're good cars. I just don't drive one. But with that being said, if you're looking for like a really cool shark to ride... I mean, hammerhead, bull shark, great white, uh, you also have the, uh, oh, there's so many great ones you can name here, uh, but pretty much any of them, I mean, I'm biased, but you get those really popular types of sharks, they're going to be the really cool ones to ride, and as uh, also is brought up in the message, uh, she mentioned that if you kind of hold the hammerhead by the front of the head, that could be kind of cool, which I also feel does bring up another point, where would you sit on the shark? Would you be sitting behind the dorsal fin? That's going to create more of a swaying motion, too. Or would you be up on the front? More of a kind of better for speed at that point. Kind of helps to get lower, more aerodynamic. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. But on this, you're going to have those different ranges there. So making sure that that is at play, too. But I'd say personally for me, I think the silky shark would be the one that I would probably most likely go with. A very agile type of shark. And also the star of the second episode that we did here, which also for some reason has the least amount of plays which I'm not quite understanding why but you know probably not one of the most popular sharks that I've done so not surprised there but definitely one that if you guys want to learn more about silky sharks it's right there feel free to have a listen if you'd like to or if not I won't be offended I am once again very happy to have you guys here but that is what I have to say about that I got very sidetracked during that segment but no worries if you guys, of course, want to send any more questions, anything like that. Send them over at Deep Dives with Sharks on Instagram. I am more than happy to read them and also reply back. But going into this week's suggestion, this came from the Boyo brand. Now, this man has carried me through many Apex games. I don't know how he puts up with uh, all the different stuff that I put him through. It's- Absolutely amazing. I mean, half the time we're sitting there wondering what the hell's going on, but he brought up a great point that it is in fact spooky season and we ought to do a spooky shark. So this week we're going with the goblin shark for the Halloween themed bonus episode. Do you feel spooky yet? But now this is going to be the first of the alien sharks that we do or deep sea sharks that we are actually talking about on this podcast. There's many upon many of them. Uh, Usually they are referred to as alien sharks because of how little we interact with them and how otherworldly they tend to look. But they're actually a lot larger than I initially thought uh, because looking at video and everything like that, I initially only thought they were about three feet long. They're actually three to four meters long, which makes it about 10 to 13 feet. So I was only off by 10 feet, which for those of you that are in the metric system is a lot of feet, so it's not a small number. But they can grow much larger, as in the year 2000. There's a 20-foot specimen, or 6-meter-long. I almost said 6-foot-meter. That's not right. 6-meter-long specimen, so they can get really big. Now, they're also known as benthic creatures, meaning that they live around 100 meters, or 330 feet, but also goes down much deeper to over 1,300 meters, or 4,270 feet. So they go very, very deep here the distribution is actually wild as well. I initially thought they were only found around Japan, as Japan is known for having a large variety of alien sharks. That's usually where they stay, especially in those deeper waters right outside of Tokyo. But although they are there, goblin sharks are also found around the coast of Southern California, center of the Gulf of Mexico, Southern Australia, Eastern coast of Europe, all across the coast of Africa and the East East side of South America. So they're going to be pretty much all over the world. It's absolutely insane. Now, they're currently listed under least concern when it comes to species vulnerability, as humans can't get to them as easily. So they're not really caught as bycatch or hunted for their meat or fins another spooky type of shark that I was really considering doing for this week was also the ghost shark which is another favorite of mine it's also listed under least concern which I learned earlier today so that makes me actually really excited as I did mention earlier in a couple episodes That many of these sharks are going to be listed as vulnerable, threatened, or endangered because of how often humans interact with them, hunt them for their meat, uh, especially in the shark finning trade, but thankfully alien sharks are usually excluded from that simply because of how weird they look, Uh, so people can't really tell what fin they're eating in that sense or anything like that, so it tends to be one that aren't really picked that often. Now, it does have some very distinguishable features, uh, being, first of all, it's long, flat snout that is going to be a little bit more proportionate as they get older, meaning that they usually grow into it, which is kind of cute. Now, with this, usually you'll see that nice long snout, and then you'll see their mouth hidden a bit back. But in that mouth there, they're going to have protruding teeth. Now, this is very similar to the Mako that we talked about earlier this week, but the difference is that both their upper and lower teeth protrude out of their mouth, rather than the just lower teeth that you would typically see in the Mako shark. Their teeth are also long and narrow, which is very good for quick strikes in strikes catching prey. And the teeth are more narrow when it's in the middle of their jaw compared to the more wider ones on the outside of the jaw. So they're gonna be more flat, kind of similar to what we've talked about in the past, but not quite any of them are triangular. They're all very narrow, but a little bit wider towards the outsides of their mouth. Their body is also described as flabby. I feel like that's a very rude statement to make, though. The blobfish is also called a very flabby fish, but they're also another deep-sea fish. And when taken out of the proper pressure, they tend to deflate. and It's kind of a messed-up name, because if you see a blobfish at the right pressure, they look pretty normal. But then when you see them outside, they look like that sad face, you know? Like, if you know that fish that I'm talking about. If not, definitely give it a Google. You're not going to be disappointed. You're probably going to be like, oh, that's neat. But otherwise, if you've got the time, definitely do it. But... I feel like at the same time, if anyone ever calls you flabby, you can just tell them you're under the wrong pressure and then probably just punch them right after for being really judgmental and rude. So, I feel like it's fair. But, goblin sharks are also said to have very rough denticles around their body, even in comparison to other sharks. Now, this means that their skin is incredibly rough, as I mentioned in other episodes as well. Usually a lot of injuries come from accidentally stepping on a shark um, and then not realizing it was there, and then their skin will cause lacerations but with this going to be a little bit different there they're going to be even rougher so if you somehow manage to step on a goblin shark which if you're hanging out around 100 meters 330 feet and you bump into a goblin shark and you're stepping on it something's gone really sideways but you know that's that's fine now they're usually pinkish in color or tan due to how many blood vessel vessels are visible under their skin so their color will change a little bit there it also will darken with age As when they're young, they're almost completely white, and then they'll get a little bit darker as time goes on, either getting those colors we mentioned earlier, so that pinkish or that tan. They eat mostly crustaceans, cephalopods, and deep-sea fish, so just dragonfish and rat tails. Uh, They also hunt by striking their jaws forward to catch prey. Their jaws can extend three inches out from their face to help catch prey in an ambush type of attack. Another thing to mention that did get brought up, I always mention when it's coming to the shark safety side about how much I want to say shark bites rather than attacks. And that's simply because an attack comes from malice behind it. Now, when a shark usually bites a human, they're not going after a human typically. They're usually going to try to figure out what it is, or they're going for the fish around them, and then they accidentally catch the person there. Now, when it comes to hunting other fish, there's a lot of malice behind that. They are aiming to eat that fish. That is a pretty mean event, especially for the fish involved. So that one is technically an attack because they're aiming to eat that fish, so a little bit of clarification there, but in the case of someone being bitten by a shark, is going to be a bite, in the case of a shark eating, it's hunting, or it is going to attack, same way that a tiger would attack, what the hell does a tiger eat, no, we're gonna go with a different cat, a lion would <laughs> attack a gazelle, there we go, let's watch some lion expert tell me I'm wrong, <laughs> but I'm really glad I go outside of my uh, area of fake expertise, it's all fine, which Once again, I don't have a degree in shark sciences or anything like that. I'd like to say I just am a shark fanatic as it works. But (laughs) this is going off the rails. It's fine. Now, with this, these sharks also have a very uh, rarely interact with humans just because of the depths that they live at. As I just mentioned, they're going to be around 300 meters. Sorry, yeah, 300 meters works, but 100 meters as well, 330 feet. So somewhere in that range, it's going to be right around there. So typically, people aren't diving down that deep if they are it's usually for a very specific reason and if it's not to see goblin sharks usually they're not going to find goblin sharks there but the first time that the goblin shark was seen uh, doing that attack motion of its jaws the striking motion was initially captured on camera on 2008 and then again in 2011 so it's still very new uh, compared to all the knowledge that we have on all the other species of sharks now on this one as well they're also not very fast but they are very buoyant so they're able to drift through the water with very minimal movement making them harder to detect harder to detect by their prey so because they can move more stealthily throughout the water and especially in an area where there's not a lot of light so they rely on so many other senses the least they can be detected the better so if they don't have to move a whole lot and they can go with either the current or the little motion that they did and just kind of float for a while that's going to be incredibly helpful. And they are known as ambush predators because of that strike motion of their jaw. But there were a few attempts to keep them in aquariums, although both had failed. Uh, The first one was in an aquarium where it was able to survive for a week over in Japan, and then unfortunately it did die shortly after. And then the other one, they were trying to keep it at a university to see if it would survive there, which that one only survived two days. There were no other attempts after that. So this one most likely is not going to be kept in captivity or attempted to be kept in captivity really anytime soon. Now, that's what we have for our first alien shark. Uh, They're also the first not listed as vulnerable or threatened or endangered to extinction sharks. That's pretty exciting. But of course I am very open for more suggestions. Uh, any recommendations or requests, so please do send those over to Deep Dives with Sharks. And of course, we are now going to move on to the shark safety portion of the podcast. This week, I realized I kind of need to backtrack a little bit. I've told you all about how to tell what happens when, or how to avoid sharks when swimming, uh, what to do if someone gets bitten by a shark, everything like that, but I've never actually talked about how to tell if there might be a shark nearby, which I feel is gonna be pretty important. Now this one I've gotten from different Shark Week programs and also just previous weeks of shark safety. Uh, There have been things that I've briefly mentioned, but never really brought it all together to kind of discuss what's a really good sign a shark isn't there and what's a really bad sign that there's a shark right next to you. Now to get the very, very obvious ones out of the way, if you're not in water and you're nowhere near water, there's not gonna be a shark near you also if you can see a shark there's a shark near you very easy there now i feel like there's things that i wouldn't have to say but also in the tour guide job that i do outside of this podcast there are many many times where i realize i've had to say things to people that i didn't think i'd have to so those are the two very obvious ones now from there there if you're in a body of water there's a chance there's a shark nearby now mind you i'm going to exclude a few here ponds lakes Anything like that that is a closed body of water, there's a very low chance that there's a shark in there. Now, I'm only going to say a very low. I will not say impossible because, once again, humans do some very crazy things. The only reason there'd be a shark in a pond or a lake or anything like that would be if for some reason someone put it there. The biggest lake in Maryland is Deep Creek Lake out in the western side of Maryland, which is a six-hour drive from Ocean City, which is going to be where the ocean is. The only other closest place that a shark could be from there would be in the Baltimore Harbor, which none of them are ever really going to be there. I don't think there's been a report of really any sharks going that far up the Chesapeake Bay. But even so, that's still a three-hour drive. The odds that there's a shark in Deep Creek Lake right now are very low. Now, I promise the second I finish this podcast, I'm going to Google it, and I can somehow I will lose my mind If I find out there's a shark in Deep Creek Lake, but the only reason that it should be there is if someone put it there itself. Now, also, there's no natural-made lakes in Maryland. For some reason, all of them are man-made, and I don't know why, but that's kind of neat as well. But with that, there should not be a shark in any of those bodies of water. So from there, you should be fine. You should be safe. I can't guarantee that nothing else in that pond, that uh, lake, is going to try to nibble on you, but... I can pretty much tell you there's most likely, there's almost guaranteed not going to be a great white in any of those. Now, from there, it's going to be the same way that if you're in a body of water, in the ocean especially, that there's probably going to be a shark there. Now, mind you, is it going to be right up next to you? Absolutely not. Is it going to even be visible? Probably not. As I mentioned in other episodes too, there's a good shot that you won't even know if a shark is around you, and that's usually a good thing because. Nine times out of ten, a shark's not going to do anything to you. You're not going to do anything to the shark. You're both going to hang out for a minute. You'll get out the water. They'll avoid you. End of story. You both will go home, none the wiser. It's kind of the same deal that if you walk into someone's house, they're going to see you, of course, but there's going to be a human there. That's just how life works. So you walk into a shark's house, there's probably going to be a shark there. But... I wouldn't say there's a 100% chance that every single time you get into the ocean, there's a shark nearby. Because, of course, the furthest that a human can really see out to the horizon is about three miles. Now, there's a good shot that there's not a shark within a three-mile radius from where you are standing to the horizon. So, there could be a shark nearby. There could also not be a shark nearby. It just kind of depends on what is going on. So, for example, as well, if someone is chumming the water nearby, there could be a shark nearby, especially if they're going to go and eat that bait or if they're going to go ahead and go after any of the fish that are eating that bait. Pretty much if there's any fishing as well, there are sharks that do usually feed off of the hormones that are coming off the stress hormones from the fish. So there's a shot there that there might be a shark in that area. So just, of course, proceed with caution. As I talked about when swimming near fishing piers, you don't really want to do that too much, or at least if you are, make sure that you're staying away from like down where the current's going. You want to be... On the opposite side of that, a shark usually will not be swimming on the opposite side of the current. So you're swimming down current from the fishing pier, just be careful. But from there, also if you see a bait ball in the water. Now, for those of you that do not know, I did mention this earlier in a couple episodes, but I'm not exactly sure. But a bait ball, once again, I think hopefully this will probably be one of the... I'll probably discuss it again. But a bait ball is simply just when a school of fish goes into a frenzy especially near the surface because they're being forced into a ball either by uh some type of predator which i could go over a long list which i will in a second but (laughs) with this they're gonna be forced into that frenzy which causes them to freak out panic and try to go anywhere else but where the predator is causing that little kind of boiling looking uh surface especially out in the ocean and that usually means that there is some sort of predator hunting there. Now, that could be a shark. Now, one thing to distinguish, though, is that it could also be a dolphin. It could be a swordfish. It could be a marlin. It could be a tuna. So it could be quite a few different types of fish. And that list does not end there. There are many, many, many types of fish, uh, especially larger fish that are predatory that are going to go in and try to get stir up a bait ball, make it easier to hunt those fish there. Now, I will notice uh, or note as well that If there is a pot of dolphins nearby too, there's a very good shot that there's not a shark nearby, simply because sharks and dolphins don't like each other in the slightest. Now sharks tend to eat dolphins. So dolphins have not become very fond of this. Same way that dolphins have figured out, because they're also highly intelligent creatures, that they can suffocate a shark. So if they simply grab it by the tail and swim backwards, they will be able to suffocate a shark, which if any dolphins are listening to this podcast and use this information to suffocate a shark, I'm no longer held liable. Don't take me to dolphin court. But from there, it's going to be something that really comes out. Uh, Sharks and dolphins don't really like each other all that much i've noticed especially around the shores of ocean city where i spend a lot of time i see lots of dolphins there which tends to mean that there's not a lot of sharks nearby and usually you don't hear anything about seeing sharks over in ocean city now of course as i mentioned too the water there is pretty opaque so you can't really see through it that easily so even if there are sharks nearby we really can't tell that much but With that, you don't hear too, too much about any people being bitten in Ocean City by sharks. I think everyone lost their mind a few years ago when there was a hammerhead in the area. It was a scalloped hammerhead. We get those all the time. But of course, whenever we see one, it's a pretty wild experience because we typically don't see any of the sharks that are actually in that area. But with this, that's really what I had for the shark safety this week. It's gonna be just mostly still using your head. The safest place to be when you see a shark uh, or even if you're afraid of getting bitten by a shark, is gonna be out of the water. Now, as I mentioned, there's a really good shot that sharks aren't gonna be in the area anyway, or even if they are, they're not gonna bother you and you're not gonna bother them. So I don't want you to go to the beach or anything like that totally terrified that you're gonna be eaten by a shark. You're very much not going to. Very rarely it's gonna happen, probably not at all. So I'd say you should still are very safe to go in the water. And of course, listening to lifeguards in the area, knowing the sharks that are gonna be in that area too, making sure that you're not going to put yourself into any unintentional harm or do anything that would be considered really dumb. So don't worry, there's very few ways to invoke a shark to attack you other than, as I mentioned at the very beginning, I should have just said bite. Anyway, at the very beginning of the podcast, there's very few things that, unless you start harassing, trying to play with, poke, anything like that, just leave the shark alone, it'll leave you alone. You should be good to go. But as we always do... We're now gonna jump over into the shark news section of the podcast. Now this one I tried to go a little bit different from the areas I've gone in the past. And I say that with the first story actually taking place about 20 minutes away from where the first one, or not the very first news story, but the one previously that we talked about went there. But I did try to go a couple different places as well. And I actually did kind of end up going to two different things, but two lesser uh, covered places. Cause I usually always end up going with California. That one's gonna have a whole lot. And then I kind of went around a little bit. But anyway, without any more delaying, the first one that we have here is that a great white was found washed ashore in North Sydney, Canada. Now, this is very close to where the last one we talked about in New Brunswick was found. uh, And I talked about that a couple weeks back. Uh, Now, this one was only six feet in length. So very small in comparison to some of the other great whites that have washed up. Uh, Well, I say been seen, not washed up. Only two have so far. Uh, but they're showing up on shore at an alarming rate. Uh, so when they uh, when the help arrived to try to get the shark back in the water, it was already too late. Uh, by the time they had dragged the shark around trying to get water to go back through its gills, uh, it didn't have any sort of response. So they realized that they just need to pull it back out of the water so they could do a necropsy on it uh, once again to see what had happened, if there was anything uh, that caused the shark to die or if it might have just simply gone too close to shore while hunting and then... Got stuck, uh, but as I mentioned, it is happening at an alarming rate. As a TikTok video posted literally from the night before uh, showed that this shark got stuck in the shallows there. Uh, now, maybe not exactly this shark, but the shark in that video. It's both troubling and reassuring. Uh, now, this is because scientists and researchers aren't quite sure why these sharks are washing up on shore. They don't have an exact reason here or there. Uh, But it's reassuring simply because their population numbers have been increasing. So as more sharks are in the area, by correlation, you're also going to get more sharks that wash up on shore. So the fact that they have more sharks than usual is actually a pretty good sign. Now, with that as well, it is concerning because they want to try to figure that out. Now, I'm going to hypothesize real quick. Now, this, of course, could be completely wrong. Very similar case to the last one that we saw where they're going to end up thinking that this one just kind of got a little too close to shore while hunting and then ran out of room. But on this one too, uh, I also want to give a shout out to the second News anchor. I did not get either of their names, but as they were going over, the first one mentioned I'm really glad that they hadn't messed with any divers at this point, to which he kind of quickly replied, well, yeah, they don't really ever mess with divers. And I was like, thank you, someone finally said it. So it was kind of uh, exciting there to hear that Someone else pretty much went through and kind of defended it because nine times out of ten when you're hearing these on the news, it's about how these monsters have come in and harmed humans and this and that and the whole nine yards, but it's really not the case. They usually just kind of hang out. But with this, moving on to the next one, it's that the title was simply that the scientist nearly dives into jaws of tiger shark. And this one was, oh, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned, the first one was by CTV Atlantic. Uh, This one's by the New York Post and Lifestyle. So this is a phenomenal clickbait article. Uh, looking at this, I was kind of expecting someone to be jumping in the water and there to be a shark there. I will say it was a little bit less misleading than that. Um, this one actually what happened in the video, at least from what I saw, the researcher's about to jump into the water. She's sitting on the ladder about to go in in a controlled manner. And the person who's filming watching behind her goes, oh, wait, here he is. And the shark comes right up to her. She sits back up and she's like, oh, hey, there you are and it takes a little nip at her fins and i i emphasize a little nip because it doesn't even really chomp down on it it's like quite literally puts the fin in its mouth for a second realizes nothing that it wants to deal with and then just buggers off but the whole thing is they did everything right um which as trained professionals, I assume that they would. So she didn't just go diving face first into the water without kind of checking her surroundings. She went to kind of put her her goggles in first to see like if anything's nearby. Because of course, from the surface, you might not be able to see everything. But once you get right inside the water, it might be a little bit different there. So of course, also having that person watching from above. So that way you've got that second set of eyes. Because I mean, everyone knows there's been a million and a half times that All of us have been looking for something, and having that second set of eyes has just been that much more helpful. But from here, it was just really easy. She quite literally then sat back up and then went to go get right back in as soon as the shark turned off. Now, the video cuts off. There was no mention anywhere else of this causing any uh, other issues or anything like that. So it was completely fine. Uh, Everything turned out great. This one was just pretty much to make that clickbait to try to get you to fear for your life once again. So... Making sure you're not judging that book by its cover. One thing I'd also mention about the last one, uh, that I think was the most newsiest news I could use because that actually rhymed. Holy Dr. Seuss! But it was the freshest news, hot off the press, uh, because at the time that I clicked on it, it had been posted 48 minutes before, and there were not another, there was not another article about it. So it worked pretty quick there. Uh, This one was, I believe, a few hours old, so still the same day. I think this is actually the most hot off the press news section I've ever done on this podcast. But that's it for this week. Uh, That's the second episode. There'll be another one hopefully coming out on Monday or Tuesday. We'll see how I feel and how everything's going, so stay tuned for that. That is definitely subject to change. Thank you all so much for listening. I once again, every episode, I'm still surprised that people are still tuning in and listening. So I very, very, very much appreciate that. Thank you so much. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Deep Dives with Sharks. Best way to get any questions asked, any jokes that you want us to put on the the podcast, uh, anything like that. Just feel free to send it there. I'll promise i'll read it i usually respond pretty quickly because my adhd self can't stop <laughs> staying off of it, any social media plus i follow a bunch of uh, aquariums and everything there so it's just kind of my nice zen calm place to be anyway so I'll, you'll definitely find me there uh also make sure to tell your friends family anything about the podcast uh, spread us like wildfire be greatly appreciated. I also uh, recently just enabled uh, support to the stream as well, so there should be a link to donate if you guys would choose to do so, and then maybe eventually one day I'm going to upload this thing before 10 p.m., and it's actually currently 12.23 in the morning, so a nice very late one. I think this might actually be the latest one I'm recording so far, but thank you guys so much. I appreciate all the support, and I will see you in the next one. Take care.